This is a Color Pencil Podcast, session number 64. Developing talent, developing skill, it doesn't matter what it is. If it's a skill, it can be learned and developed by anyone, anyone who has the passion and desire and is willing to put in the hours of practice that it requires can attain a high level of skill. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a colored pencil podcast where we discuss in detail all things in and around colored pencils and the colored pencil artist. And now your hosts, Lisa Clow and John Middick. Hello, my name is John Middick, and I'm joined by my co-host, Lisa Cloud. You know, Lisa, we we teased about you being a really big deal uh, recently on a podcast because you were comparing yourself to Bob Ross. But the funny thing is, I mean, you are a pretty big deal. I, I saw that you this recently hit 100. This is not going in 100. any direction I this expected is... this intro to go into. I oh. was just like, this is already getting hit, really awkward. You, you hit, no, you <laughs> hit 100,000 on YouTube. Yes. Congratulations. That Thank is so you. awesome. That uh, That is incredible. Wow. <laughs> How's that feel? You know, it's kind of surreal because it's one of those, yeah. well, that's never going to happen type things. And to have <laughs> it actually happen is kind of amazing. Yeah, that is awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. I just had to say that. All right. So this is a show about colored pencil where we encourage and we promote even our own competition because we believe a rising tide raises all ships. Lisa, who are we talking to today? We are talking to Matt Fussell, who is the artist who teaches at thevirtualinstructor.com. Well, Matt, thank you very much for joining us today. We're real excited to talk to you. Could you go ahead and just bring us up to date on what your path has been and what you're doing today? Uh, Sure, no problem. I'd like to thank you, John, and thanks, Lisa, for having me on your podcast. I'm really excited to be a part of it. Absolutely. Um, I am the founder of a website called thevirtualinstructor.com. Basically, how I got there is a pretty long path. I guess I'll start at the beginning. I I, of course, went to art school and uh, majored in art. My concentration was in illustration, but I also got my teacher certification as well and went straight into education and uh, spent 10 years in the classroom. During that time, uh, I I was fortunate enough to work at a high school where we were able to write a grant to turn the school into a visual and performing arts magnet school. So uh, myself and some of my colleagues got to write the curriculum, brand new curriculum that didn't even exist uh, in the state of North Carolina, which is where I'm from. And uh, create an awesome program there. And uh, a couple, uh, well, <laughs> after 10 years, I was promoted to uh, an administrative position uh, for the school district. And I was basically in charge of the visual arts program uh, for kindergarten through high school. But let me back up. Before I went to that position, I, I built this website to house videos for my students because I would do demonstrations every year. And of course, you know, demonstrations are pretty long. And uh, I wanted to create DVDs uh, back when people watched DVDs and uh, there was a such thing as DVDs. Right. <laughs> right. Came up with the idea to put the videos on a website. So I built a website and, and I was able to show the videos that I created to my students. One day the website crashed because other teachers and, and other students, people who wanted to learn, were accessing the site. And I didn't even really realize it that much. And then I realized that maybe there was something to this. So I continued to, to build the website, continued to create videos. I started putting them on YouTube. Believe it or not, I did that after I had them on my website. 
then, you know, it's now become a full-time job. I've been out of the school system now for, uh, I think, I think in about three years, two and a half years, maybe. So uh, that's what I do. Now I have thousands of students all over the world and uh, it's great. It's fantastic. Okay. So you've been doing that for, you said about two and a half years now, uh, full-time? Full-time yeah. for about two and a half gotcha. years. Yeah, I, I don't know the exact date that I handed in by two weeks' notice, but I do have that letter somewhere around here. <laughs> did you frame it? <laughs> I didn't frame it. You know, I thought about doing that, but uh, I didn't. So, But I kept it, but I don't know where it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What a, what a journey. That's pretty awesome. So when your site was crashing, was that just due to not enough bandwidth or something like that, and you didn't realize how many were accessing the site? or Well, it's a combination of mm-hmm. both because, you know, I was naive. This was back in the early days of video, so you had to compress. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard to believe that 2010 was the early days of video online, but it's true. Right, it really was. Right. Uh, um, you had to compress the videos down to the smallest possible size that you could make it. And then I was actually hosting the videos on my website. Oh, man. So, yeah. So, That's uh, a lot of not only did, Yeah. So not only did it take forever to upload yeah. them when I did create something new, but it also ate up a bunch of bandwidth. Oh, sure. So it was a combination of both. Right, right. Did I understand this correctly? You were selling DVDs uh, as well, like optical no, 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 media? No. no. no? Yeah, I was making DVDs, and I would give them to my students. I just had the DVDs to show in my class, Um, and I, you know, actually made the DVDs in my garage. So I kind of branded them as the art garage, (laughs) (laughs) you know, just kind of joking around, even. Um, But I enjoyed making videos, and of course, I enjoyed teaching. And the videos were great because you know I could just put them in the DVD player and walk around and help students individually. And uh, of course, I could make copies of the DVDs and give them to students, Mm -hmm. and they could take it home with them. So uh, it's just kind of a way that I I started teaching and approaching my teaching that kind of carried over. And I guess it was just kind of at the right time too when everything kind of started to explode on the internet. Yeah, and of course now, as we know, video is a really big deal. I mean, that's a considered high value. Someone's able to consume video now online. So you work in a variety of mediums and as well as colored pencil. And of course, this is a colored pencil podcast, so we are going to ask you a little bit about that and what your choices are in pencils and support and all of that. But when you started out, was this just basic drawing instruction or was it painting? Was it both? Or did, were you kind of narrow in your niche or or were you always kind of broad in your focus or talk to us about well, that? Sure. When, you know, since I was an art teacher, I taught all different mediums, mm-hmm. uh, all, all different types of processes, all different types of subjects as well. So I didn't really, you know, I was approaching it from an educational standpoint. I, I was trying to, you know, yeah. when I would teach and present a lesson, I would go through a demonstration with my students before we went into the project associated with it. And uh, so that's kind of how I created the videos. Uh, I would just kind of think about the way that I taught a lesson and create a video of me teaching that lesson. And it's really as simple as that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I do remember, though, it, when, I, when I was in college, since I wasn't an illus- illustration major, uh, one of my illustration professors told me, uh, you know, you really need to narrow down what you do. You need to pick one medium and stick with it. Uh, you need to pick a genre and stick with it. And that kind of frustrated me when he told me that because I, I like doing different things. Uh-huh. And if you look throughout time, um, most artists, 
who we know well from history created in a variety of different media. So uh-huh. I, I never really understood that statement and I kind of ignored it. And <laughs> I'm really glad that I did because I'm able to help so many different people who are trying to get better at so many different mediums. Uh, but, it, it, but getting back to your question, it really started because I was just teaching. Since I taught everything, that's why the videos and that's why my instruction covers so many different types of mediums. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I do like that. I mean, and Lisa, you certainly resonate with that quite a bit, I'm sure. Yeah, I've always thought that it was so ridiculous when people say, no, you need to master one art. It follows the same rules and guidelines, no matter which medium you're working in, your value, your contrast, Mm -hmm. your uh, composition. All of that really matters, no matter which medium it is. So I never understood that whole pick one to get really good at it. You don't you don't have to do that. There's no need to do that. And all of the best, like you were saying, all the best artists that I know today or in the past worked in several mediums. They had several styles that they messed around with. Yeah, I've never been one to to buy into well, that. Well, and, and interests change over time as well. I mean, you yeah, see yeah, definitely. progress uh, if you look at right. an artist and you see them switching, especially subject matter. You can see a progression in that. And I'll, I'll be honest, sometimes I feel like painting and sometimes I feel like getting very detailed mm-hmm. about, with, you know, a, a drawing medium. So my mood yeah. <laughs> really dictates what I want to work in. So I don't feel like that needs to be repressed in any way because you have to be focused on a specific medium or subject. I mean, some mm-hmm. artists just focus on one subject and don't do anything outside of that. Right, right. Yeah, I can't do that. And even with the mediums, I feel the same way as you. There are times, especially because I have to produce, doing the same as you, producing so many videos, you get to the point where you're like, you finish a colored pencil piece that took so much work, you do not want to jump right back into another one. (laughs) So it's like, okay, now I'm doing acrylic that I can get this done in one night and then take a break the rest of the week. Right. That's that's exactly how I feel when I'm doing a course where it's a, a series in the same medium. Uh, sometimes I'm like, oh, my gosh, I am so ready <laughs> to, <laughs> yeah. to do something else. I think uh, it really so. helps you to keep from burning out. Right, right. I totally agree. Now, your course, what exactly, when they go to your website, when they sign up for it, what does that look like for them? What are they? What can they expect to learn from your course? Oh, my gosh. There's a couple of options. I've got a membership program. Then you can buy individual courses. And I think we're up to eight courses now. Um, and I'll explain all the courses. But with the membership program, you get access to all of the courses. So you have all the courses. The courses are broken down in the modules, of course. And each module has a video and then uh, an ebook that goes along with that module. And each week I do a live lesson for an hour that's streamed from my studio. And those, of course, are recorded. And I think I'm up to 180 plus of those. So that's 180 nice. hours of video. Wow. Then I also have this, uh, I have a weekly critique that I do, which is called the Members Minute. Uh, so students can send me their artwork and I, I critique it using a Cintiq so I can draw on the mm-hmm. artwork without really drawing on the artwork. Right. Um, and those critiques are about 15 minutes long, but I also answer a question during the Members Minute too, and the members get access to that as well. Then I also have this thing called the Ultimate Lesson Plan. And uh, of course, that's clearly for teachers. And uh, I've got one more lesson to add to that, and it's a full year of curriculum for teachers. But uh, each Ultimate Lesson Plan has an introductory video, supporting video, a PowerPoint presentation or a keynote presentation, handouts, everything that a teacher would need to teach a lesson, even printouts. So if an administrator comes in the room, you've got the objectives, essential questions, everything that a teacher would need, basically, as well as student examples, too. So uh, 
that's a, a very valuable re- resource for teachers. Um, and a lot of school systems use the program. Um, in fact, there's a couple of school systems that purchase the membership program for, the, for all of their teachers in the district, which is awesome. Um, but that's, that's basically membership. So you have access to all that stuff. And the fee for a yearly membership is $97 a year. So it's very, very cheap for what you wow, get. Wow, that is so really that good. That is. Right. Wow. Or, or $19 a month. So you have those options there. And the reason why the price is so low is because a lot of teachers use it. And, uh, you know, being a teacher myself, you know, teachers don't get paid, <laughs> not anywhere near what they're worth. And, uh, you know, I just, this is a way that I can support them and help them. And uh, after all, I am a teacher. Uh, at heart, so uh, but the courses are available individually as well, and uh, the prices on on them are pretty low too, comparatively speaking with what's available out there. But the best deal then, by far, would be to be a member, I guess, right? Oh, absolutely. Get all of that. Yeah. That that is really awesome, and sounds like yeah, since you do have that background in in teaching for all those years, that you understand all of those materials that are needed, the handouts, the, the slide deck, I guess you said, or keynote, um, yes, and the lesson and the plan. Slide, That's pretty awesome. Right, and the slides and the handouts, all of it go together. It's They're, they're cohesive. They're graphically similar. Um, in fact, all the lessons are graphically similar. So, you know, students feel like there is a – uh, a logical progression to what they're learning, and it and it's it's all cohesive. And yeah. a lot of the the problems that teachers encounter today is they'll go to YouTube or they'll go wherever, and they'll find little bits of information here and there. So basically, the ultimate lesson plan is everything together that you would need to teach a, a, a cohesive and foundational and uh, one uh, lesson that actually corresponds with the standard course of study. So that is that is awesome. Uh, the thing that is so great. That is that because you're coming from this, from being a teacher, from mm-hmm. teaching that in that environment. I mean, a lot of us who teach now, we didn't teach in school, so we didn't have the same curriculum that we needed to follow when we taught lessons. But you're coming from that angle that brings something different that not a lot of teachers are doing. Yeah. Do right, you right. do you uh, actually have a lot of uh, homeschooling people that are taking advantage of this? It sounds like it would be a shoe in for that as well. Yes, there's a lot of homeschool people who are part of the site as well. Yeah, it's, and of course, school districts as well yeah. and, and teachers. All right, so let's talk about colored pencil here for a second then. All right. And tell us what your preferences are then in pencils and paper and process your approach to uh, doing a colored pencil painting. Sure. Well, my favorite pencils are Prismacolor Premier pencils, and I know they've got such a bad rap here in re- recent years, but... They're still my favorite. You know, I get frustrated when they crumble <laughs> yeah. and fall apart. But, I, you know, I just keep sharpening through it. And uh, I just love how buttery they are, mm-hmm. uh, if that's a good description of them. And I like the way they layer on top of each other. And when you get to that certain point where uh, you've got that that consistency on the surface where you can just move colors around and it really becomes a process like painting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I love so much about uh, the the Premier pencils. I, uh, I I also like Polychromos pencils, but it just seems like you really can't take it to to that buttery consistency that you get with the Prismacolor Premier. So that's why those are my favorite. Now that doesn't mean that I exclude other brands of pencils too. I um, you know right. I I like different types of pencils. I'll I'll draw with any brand of pencil really. I'm I'm not necessarily an elitist, right. but if I want to if I want to create a high quality drawing and one that really 
jobs with the way that I work, then the Prismacolor premieres are definitely my favorite. Um, I usually work on Bristol paper, and I usually work with the vellum surface. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, sometimes I'll work with uh, more textured paper, like the Canson Mitants paper, the pastel paper. It, it, but the the deal is with that is it, the the heavier the tooth, the more layers you have to put on until you get to that 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 yeah. uh, mode where I really like working with the pencil. So uh, usually I just stick with the Bristol paper. But I do like working on tone tone paper as much as possible because you're starting with that middle value, and it's much easier to see the contrast between the colors and the values. Um, so what would be perfect is if there was a Bristol paper that was toned. That would be awesome. Oh. <laughs> and if, if something like that exists, please tell me. Uh, <laughs> I wonder what would happen if you airbrushed a light tone over the Bristol. Yeah, because yeah, then I'm, it would be even. It shouldn't change the tooth of the paper much, but you could tone it a bit that way. Right. You absolutely could do that. But Popped imagine if somebody just made a paper that yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. That, that is that odd that, that you can't find something in that finish like that that's it toned I, I was going to say as far as process because i think that was part of your question i'm i'm a big burnisher <laughs> uh, i like to if you couldn't tell from my previous response i really like to build up the colors and really get a, a yeah. heavy uh, amount of wax on the surface and really move the colors around right uh that's just kind of where I feel like I have the most control. So, and that I, makes sense with Prismacolor yeah. because they they work so well with burnishing. And they do, especially when you get just that real big, thick buildup of wax where it does, like you said, become more like a painting in that, in right. that regard. So how many layers then do you, do you typically get like on a, a Bristol vellum then? Uh, that's hard to say because it really depends – uh, on on the color, right. I, I know that sounds strange, <laughs> but uh, it seems like for lighter areas, uh, areas where the value is a little bit lighter, I t- don't have to put as many layers on the surface. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've never really set and counted. Yeah. I just kind of keep going. And I bet you if I could pull up the paper and hold it in front of the light, it would look very similar to a canvas when you mm-hmm. pull it up and hold it next to the light. Some areas are going to be heavily applied and you're not going to be able to see through the canvas and some areas are going to be a little bit thinner. So it's kind of hard to say how many layers exactly I can get. Right. Um, I've never I've never ran into a problem where I've got to a point where there's not enough tooth to accept the colored pencil on the surface. So I don't know if that means I'm layering less than most folks or, or what that means. But uh, it, it's never been an issue there. So yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I'd say average probably four or five. Uh, but I just keep layering until I arrive at the color that I, that I want, the color right. and the value that I want, right. and then move on. Now, Lisa, he actually pronounced uh, that Canson I noticed word that, I that starts with an ask- M. <laughs> How do you pronounce right. that again? <laughs> Me taunts. Me taunts. Okay. Yep. I'm going to go with and that I, from now on. I, 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 I'm pretty sure I looked up the pronunciation oh, at one point. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I may have looked it up and read it wrong, but uh, ever <laughs> since then, I have, pronou- I have pronounced it that way for the last couple of years, and nobody or not, I'm going with that. So I'm keep going. <laughs> yeah, neither one of us can figure it yeah, out. So we're just going to go with right. that. We'll say the virtual instructor told us so. Right. Yeah. <laughs> if it's wrong, contact him. Right. Yeah. Uh. So do you uh, experiment? You mentioned that you used a lot of different pencils from time to time. What about paper then? I mean, have you tried uh, Stonehenge and different papers? Do you experiment with those? 
Um, not recently. I have worked on Stonehenge papers before and rag papers. Yeah. Um, and I haven't recently, but I, I do want to revisit using some rag papers, but actually not with colored pencils. Yeah. Oh yeah. I actually want to do some stuff with watercolor, mm-hmm. uh, on, on, um, some of the rag papers and, and see what happens just because recently we were out in San Francisco and I got to go to the museum of modern art out there and, um, I got to see some Chuck Close paintings and, you know, Chuck Close is one of my favorite artists and, uh, in, you know, seeing him up close and in person, um, you got to look at the work that he created before he had, I think he calls it his accident before he had, uh, a catastrophic event. He had some kind of rare thing happen with his health that partially paralyzed him. And then the work he created after he was paralyzed is, more incredible than the work that he created before he was paralyzed. And it's, it's just an awesome story. Um, and it's one that I, I used to love to share with my students because it's really a story of somebody who had a lot of things go against him. And, uh, you know, he turned out to be Chuck Close. <laughs> you have a course on Udemy, uh, right? Do you still, you still have a course on Udemy or do you have several I, or not? Or? I have a few courses okay. on Udemy. Uh, the courses on Udemy are the Secrets to Drawing, which is by far the most popular course. That, and I'm lucky that course is – in fact, Udemy in, uh, translated that course into Japanese. Oh, really? It became so popular. And I also have the Colored Pencil course mm-hmm. on Udemy. The Acrylic Painting Academy is on Udemy. A good friend of mine went in together. We went in together and created Oil Painting Master Series. He did all the videos and I did all the ebooks for that. That's also on Udemy. I know I'm forgetting. Oh, the Watercolor Workshop is on Udemy as well. So, nice. uh, of course, all those courses are on the Virtual Instructor plus more. Mm-hmm. I don't put all the courses that I create on Udemy. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of have a. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how I feel completely about Udemy. Um, but, you know, it's it, a lot of folks go to Udemy looking for courses. Yeah, so there is traffic there. For right. There's yeah. a lot of traffic. Yeah. What advice would you give, Matt, to anybody who is just starting out in colored pencil or beginning their art journey in general? Sure. The biggest tip that I can give anybody is that they've got to let go of that notion or idea of talent. And when I first accepted <laughs> that talent is not necessarily what we think it is, that's when I really started to see my artistic ability in, increase. And um, it helped me in so many other different avenues of my life as well. And let me explain. Yeah, explain I, I've that. been what, what called talented that? my entire life. Uh, well, as long as I can remember. I've, I've grown up. I've played the drums. I, I was a musician. I spent some time in some bands. I was an actor. I was in lots of plays and stuff going through high school. And I was an athlete. I played a bunch of different sports. And, of course, I could draw and paint. And um, Renaissance, you know, man. <laughs> well, and, you know, I didn't think of it that way. Yeah. I just thought these are things that I like to do. And what I did is I did them over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And the, the more I did them, the more, more passion that I developed for those tasks, uh, the more I did them. And when you do something over and over again, that is practice. And the more that you practice, the better you get at those things. And before long, people start calling you talented in those things, and they think that you were just born with this ability, and that couldn't be further from the truth. Developing talent, developing skill 
It doesn't matter what it is. If it's a skill, it can be learned and developed by anyone, anyone who has the passion and desire and is willing to put in the hours of practice that it requires can attain a high level of skill. If you think about, if we just think about athletics, we've all heard of Michael Jordan. We all know who Michael Jordan is. If you don't, look him up on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't, I feel very sorry for you. uh, Michael Jordan was cut from the high school basketball team. Yeah. not the junior high team, the high school basketball right. team. And is that because he wasn't talented? No. It was because he had not practiced enough to become Michael Jordan. You know, there's stories like this mm-hmm. in all different types of, of genres. For example, the Beatles were told they needed to stop playing guitar music because it was going out of style and it was dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they would have listened to them, we, you know, maybe we wouldn't have the Beatles. And Lucille Ball was told that she's the worst actress that that acting coach had ever seen, and she needed to give up. Um, so it's not because these people weren't talented. It was just because they had not worked long enough to acquire that mysterious talent that we all ascribe to people. So you can attain a high level of skill, no matter where you are right now, if you have the enough desire to do so, and you put in the practice that it requires. For colored pencils, uh, I think the the best tip that I can give to people, and this this might seem very basic and very rudimentary, but it's very true, and that's just to be patient. I, mm-hmm. I, I see so many students who sit down with colored pencils, and they put a couple layers down on the surface, and you know they think that that a piece of artwork is just going to happen really quick. And I, I don't know if that's because they watch time-lapse videos on YouTube or or what it is. And I think part of it might be, have to do with that belief in talent. But um, they just expect results so quickly. And really, it is a slow, slow process working with colored pencils. And that's one of the reasons why I love it, because you have so many decisions to make as you work. You have so much control over the medium. Mm-hmm. But you have to work slow. You have to work deliberately. And you have to be patient and let the drawing develop. So uh, the biggest tip is just to be patient and continue working until you arrive at that place where you're happy with what you've done. Yeah, you see beginning color pencil artists just uh, quit too early. You have worked so long and hard. I mean, it's very obvious when you go over to the virtualinstructor.com on all of this content. I mean, you've got this blog, you've got the critiques like you talked about, the courses, the live lessons. Uh, I mean, you just got so much over there. But yet, I don't think that it's uh, intimidating. But if somebody is wanting to just kind of dig in and and see what you've got over there, what, what would you recommend? Well, there's a couple of options, of course. Actually, there's three options. I'll give you three options. Okay. Uh, the first option is just to visit the website. Go to thevirtualinstructor.com, um, and right there on the homepage, you can check out the drawing lessons, the painting lessons. There's digital lessons there as well. Uh, you, you can access the blog, the forum. Uh, there's lots of different choices there, and there's lots of free videos too. And uh, with the free videos, there's step-by-step breakdowns that go through the process underneath the videos as well. Uh, but if you... If if you see that the instruction is working for you and, and you think it might be something that you want to investigate further, you can take a look at the membership program. This is option number two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. And uh, because I want people to be very satisfied with the membership program, there is a $1 trial for for both options. Oh, that's awesome. So you can, for the $19 a month or the $97 a year uh, option, which both include everything. Um, you, it's a dollar trial for seven days. You can go in, you get access to all of the courses, all of the recorded live lessons, everything for those seven days. It's very easy to cancel if it doesn't seem like it's something that you'd be interested in. Um, 
but it, that's a good way to just check it out. Plus, on top of that, even after those seven days, uh, if you're not satisfied within the next 30 days, you can cancel and let me know, and I'll refund your money completely, no questions wow. asked. That, so That is um, such a good deal. I mean, and 97 a year, I mean, we're talking, what, around $8 a month. That is just... Yes, $8.08 a uh, month is what it boils down to. Of course, so that's nice. paid one time. I don't yeah. want to mislead anybody. Sure. But, but it is very inexpensive, yeah. especially for what you get. But I'm sure you'll find – I hope you'll find that the quality is very, very high and the instruction is top-notch. Um, so that's the second option. And then the third option for your audience, I've set up a special page. Oh, nice. Uh, where uh, on top of the trial, if they want to do that, uh, they can just go to thevirtualinstructor.com slash CP for colored pencils. That's thevirtualinstructor.com slash CP, and you can get a free module from the Colored Pencil course, and this module is on burnishing. Uh, in fact, nice. the, the name of the module is The Magic of Burnishing. Cool. <laughs> and I go through five different techniques of, of burnishing colored pencils. And, of course, I'm using the Prismacolor Premier pencils in that module, but it includes the video and the downloadable ebook as well. So That is oh, awesome. Thank you very much. That, that is so cool. Wow. Definitely take advantage of that, especially if you're new to colored pencil or you just haven't really uh, explored the medium a whole lot yet. That's awesome. Thanks, Matt. Oh, absolutely. Well, Matt, thank you very much for joining us today. Really appreciate all the tips and information and motivation that you've uh, given us today. Absolutely. Thank you so much, John. And thank you, Lisa. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you both. Um, and I guess the last thing I just want to leave your audience with is just kind of my philosophy on art making in general. I think that when we're artists, um, and don't be afraid to use that term to refer to yourself as an artist. If you're creating art, you're an artist. We've got to understand that creating art is a lifelong journey. And uh, it's a journey that we might, may never reach the destination to. But we've got to recognize that when we're creating art, it's not about the destination. It's about the journey itself. And enjoy every minute of it. Enjoy every piece of knowledge that you gain. Enjoy every piece of artwork that you create. Persevere through those times when it feels like you, everything you create is just rubbish. And, and keep working through it because ultimately being a creator and being an artist is the most wonderful thing you can be in life. Mm, I love that. I seriously got some chills a little bit there. Seriously. Yeah, it's so awesome. All right. As always, the show notes can be found over there at sharpenedartist.com slash podcast. And you can probably just type in Matt, M-A-T-T. Show notes will come right up and we'll have links to everything that we talked about today, including that special link that he has made available to us. If you like the show, go ahead and consider giving us a rating and a review on iTunes. We appreciate that. Tell someone else about the show. And if you want to uh, contact us, you can email us at podcast at sharpenedartist.com. And we will talk to you again next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com. Okay, yeah, it's definitely something. Appreciate you uh, doing this one more time. So. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> now i got to figure out what's wrong with my mic. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I sounded like my head was in a fishbowl, and John never bothered to tell me. <laughs> okay, I know you can hear me now, right? There you go. That is so good. I love it. I mean, yeah, our philosophies just jive so well. I think this is this is except perfect. for Prismacolor. <laughs> I just I just have to throw that. I'm kidding. They're passionate actually, about their color. I bash them all the time, but I know they're actually a good pencil. It's the well, quality yeah. control that my issue yeah. is where my issue yeah, is. Well, you still on the call, Lisa? Okay, there you are.
hitting mute here. Sorry, I've, I've got a bad, no bad cold here going on. Four <laughs> weeks is ridiculous. Oh, gosh, that might not be a cold. Yeah, I know. It's. It, I went to the doctor, but I was just talking to I'm, I'm Lisa. I'm voting zombie virus. Yeah, I'm sure that's could it. Could be. It could be. Are you hungry for flesh? Right. If you are. <laughs> we, yeah, we've only got a couple more hours here. All right. <laughs>